Hi everyone and welcome to episode 24 of Shaman Talk podcast. I'm your host Rhonda McCrimmon and I am going to be talking today about the drama triangle. So I've done a few courses on the drama triangle and um, I found the drama triangle really super helpful for me when I was really starting to look into my behaviours and I was really starting to look into some of the shadow of my life and what I'd find about the drama triangle was that it was really easy to use and understand but only once I was brave enough to admit to myself what roles in the drama triangle that I played so a bit more about that later but to start with I'll just quickly run through the drama triangle so for those of you who don't know The drama triangle was created by a man called Dr. Stephen Cartman in the 60s and the idea was the drama triangle modelled social interactions that could happen in excessive destructive conflicts between people and I think the distinction of excessive and destructive is key here. So when we talk about the drama triangle archetypes, there's three of them, triangle, three, it is important to remember that We may come up against the drama triangle in lots of different situations and to be sensible. So, for example, if somebody's being mugged, they're mugged by someone and they call the police, then there's three involved there and you could say that there are the three archetypes of saviour, persecutor and victim. But, you know, that's not really relevant. We We wouldn't really apply it to that situation. This drama, the drama triangle... The three archetypes of the drama triangle, which I'll go into in a lot more detail just in a minute, is really to map our relationships with the people in our lives. And it's it's just a map. It's a way to understand our interactions and understand potentially what drives us. And it's a really great way to start to step out of drama. So if you are someone who thrives a bit on drama or like finds yourself not thriving on drama but really would like less of it in your life then this map can be really super useful for that. So the three roles are persecutor, victim and rescuer. You'll be able to Google the drama triangle and get these um, immediately. We'll also put some information in the show notes for you, centreforshamanism.com forward slash 24. But I'll go through these one by one. So we'll start with the victim. So the victim archetype, and these are archetypes, so we're not saying we are victims, we're saying we play a role. So these are roles that we play. So the victim perceives themselves to be hopelessly and helplessly lost, completely powerless to enact on any meaningful change for themselves, but, um, you know, t- unable to take any responsibility for change for themselves. Um, The victim really does tend to wallow a lot in self-pity and refuses any attempts to help lift themselves up or make decisions. They'll usually run from their problems instead of looking for ways to address them. They may feel ashamed and powerless, for example, convincing themselves that they do not have the means or ability to solve their problems, while simultaneously they actually do nothing to even try. So... What's really interesting about the victim role is that a victim who is not currently being persecuted or saved by the rescuer will probably seek out people to pull into that 
those archetypes so that they can continue to wallow in their cycle of self-pity. So that's an overview of the victim role. The persecutor is the person who is believed to be the villain of the piece. The person who may be perceived to be shoving blame onto the victim. They may be angry and oppressive, controlling, rigid, overly critical, pessimistic. They also might be self-important. They may feel superior to the victim and possibly the saviour as well, actually, and work to make the victim feel as though they are less than the persecutor. Their motivations may or may not be clear. It can be as simple as taking advantage and using the other person to make themselves look or appear larger than or more important than they actually are, or it may be... I mean, it usually is some other deeper issue at work underlying that behaviour. And then the rescuer or saviour, I sometimes use saviour as well, so I'm sorry if I interchange those, but rescuer and saviour, it's the same archetype. The rescuer um, is not a good or noble archetype. The rescuer or the saviour is an enabler. So the rescuer may feel very happy and feel pretty good about the fact that they spend a lot of their time helping other people but it's always at the detriment to themselves and it's usually to enable them to feel good despite the fact that they're not doing any of their own personal work so they often they offer a perception of wanting to help by saving the victim from their own bad choices or inactions this is often a self-defense mechanism that allows them to avoid their own problems as i was saying while convincing them that they're making progress because they're saving the victim from whatever the victim thinks that they need saved from. They may also be angling for social credit by being a rescuer or a a saviour. This is disguised, again, as concern for the well-being of the victim, but serves to enable their self-pity and behaviour as it gives the victim permission to fail and it fails to hold them accountable for their own choices and their own life. So those are the main kind of archetypes that we find in the drama triangle and those archetypes are usually fluid potentially we all have one that we favor i know that which one i favored and i'll talk about that and i think that we need to remember that we can very easily slip through the different archetypes depending on who we're interacting with depending on what the relationship is with the people in in the triangle and even though we may favour one over the other two, we're definitely, I would suggest that we definitely all have a tendency to do each one in some form. So for me, I was a big fat rescuer, big fat saviour. Although I did also do a very credible victim as well. I was a very credible victim. So I was the rescuer usually in my family and the rescuer in life you know I was always the one that would sort people out get lifts organize events um, make sure everybody had like everything that they needed sorted out um, I was the one that would like in my family carry all of the appointments in my head everybody nobody needed to take any responsibility for themselves because I was busy taking responsibility for everybody and I felt virtuous and strong and I felt really necessary when other people turned to me for help or depended on me to take care of things. But the downside of that, and there's there's a massive downside for me being a rescuer in that way, being a saviour, was that I was 
chronically stressed. You know, I constantly monitored how everyone else was doing. I was constantly aware of what people were feeling. You know, I'm very empathic, so I was also aware of people's emotional needs and was constantly in other people's business, helping them. I thought I was helping them. And what that did was it just left me with an anxiety and a stress that I just really didn't know how to deal with or handle. So it was a that being in that role really um, affected my mental health. So a lot of you who've listened to this podcast or who work with me in other ways will know that I've struggled with mental health issues for my whole life. And being in this saviour archetype and the victim as well, oh, and certainly the perpetrator, I, I did have a lot of anger. I really did, really was in all three of those roles, but saviour, I think, was my the main role that I found myself in. And being in those roles... And being in that drama and being driven by these archetypes affected my mental health in an absolutely terrible way. It was really quite um, astounding, the difference in my mental health when I started to step out of the drama triangle. And we'll talk a bit about how I did that in a, in a wee while. So this um, the idea that I was there for everybody all the time and I was looking after everybody all the time, what I didn't do and this is key, this is really important, as I didn't take care of my own needs. I always said yes to people when I should have said no. I, I was utterly defined my, by my ability to save other people. And this kind of slips into boundaries as well, which is a huge topic, um, which I will, I'm going to do another podcast on, I think, quite soon, just to like keep that um, process of understanding boundaries very clear for people I think that a lot of us think we're fine with boundaries but when we scratch the surface it turns out that actually we're really not so I was terrible with boundaries I never said no to people I was always available day or night and whatever I was doing or whatever needed to be looked at for myself got put to the side and really what that was for me was a numbing technique so I was numbing myself through saving other people I was always busy saving other people or I was busy being angry and resentful or I was busy slipping into the victim role when I'd feel sorry for myself no one appreciated how hard I was working to take care of them like nobody was giving me the respect that I deserved because I spent my life looking after other people where was my where were my accolades where where was my devotion just wasn't there made me feel angry and resentful and before I knew it I'd be picking a fight with someone or like a few minutes some poor waitress or somebody as that you know I'd just be spraying my anger out everywhere because I had no way to deal with the hell and drama that I had put myself in by being pulled into this drama triangle so yeah it would. It was just. It's just really fascinating to map yourself around these different archetypes. So w- once I'd gotten over the shock of realizing what I was doing, which was numbing myself from my own work, which was being an absolutely disempowering, nosy busybody. Once I'd gotten over the embarrassment of that and the shame of realizing what I had been doing all these years to people once I'd gotten over that. And you do need to, I think you do need to move into that space briefly to really admit 
to yourself what roles you have been playing and the effect that that has had on other people in your life. I think that that's a really important part of the process. But it's a walk. It's a movement forward. You walk through that and come out the other side. You don't stay in it because if you stay in it, then you become a, then you're back into the victim space. So that's really that was I find that really tricky to do, to navigate the, my way out of this drama triangle that I'd gotten myself in. So as soon as I started to realise what I had been doing, then the tendency to fall into the um, the victim. Oh, I'm terrible there's nothing to do about it you know or everybody hates me all these different things so when you do some work around the drama triangle take your time with it feel the feelings feel the embarrassment feel the shame feel whatever it is that you need to feel maybe call on your guides and do some journey work to help with releasing that and later on in the podcast I'm going to talk about some shamanic work that we can do with the drama triangle to support this brilliant model because it's all good and well knowing about the roles, but sometimes we're so blind to our own faults and our own shadows that it can be really hard to figure out what it is that we're doing and where we fall. So I've got some ideas later for some journey work that you can do. So my journey with this was really around realising that I had put myself in the position of a saviour to make myself feel good to make myself feel more better than others and the reason that I needed to do that is because I had major self-worth issues I was defined by my ability to help other people it made me feel good it made, or I thought it did it made me feel worthy it made me feel like I was needed in the world like I had some relevance and it was one of the most difficult things I ever had to do was to change myself into someone who said no. Now, what's really important to remember is that I say no to people a lot now, but I also say yes. I say yes when it's ne- when it's necessary. I say yes when it feels good. I say yes when I know it's the right thing to do. But it's now very clear to me how or what I'm looking at when I look at a situation. Okay, And if I say no to somebody and they are upset by that, then I've now gotten to the point where I'm okay with that. But that part was really difficult. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit. So when we're in dramatic triangles, when we're in drama, and it doesn't need to just be three people, you know, this is a fluid map. You can really... um, Try not to let the the thought of, well, it can only be three people, build a resistance to working with this concept. Just hold the concepts loosely in your heart space and allow the understanding to flow through naturally for you. But what I found really tough when I started to step out of the drama, when I stopped being a saviour, when I stopped being a victim, when I stopped being a persecutor, when I stopped just simply stopped being in other people's dramas or allowing them to pull me into their dramas. People got really mad and really annoyed. I lost friends. I've struggled at work. The, my working environment, I remember at the time when I started, when I was doing my training, was very negative and there was a lot of gossiping and bitching and 
just general not not very nice it was just not 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 a very nice environment so when I started to make changes and it was really tough and just even just stopping gossiping so I didn't say anything to anybody else I wasn't telling other people what to do I simply stepped out of it and refused to be part of it sometimes I would just walk away sometimes I would pretend to be busy other times I'd say oh do you know what I really don't want to talk about this right now you know, I was ostracised for a while in that office to the point where I actually I had to go and look for a different job in the end because it just really wasn't pleasant. I realised how toxic the environment was, so I chose to leave. I've heard other stories from my clients and students who've done this work, who've made those changes, and that's what's actually happened for them is that it's, it's had a really positive effect in the office or the working environment or the home environment where people have really gotten on board with the changes and really it's rippled out and um, affected everybody in a positive way. So you never know what, you know, it can, it can be really positive, but I, I'm always worn, worn, is that too strong a word? Maybe. But it's nice to know, it's nice to be prepared that when we start making these types of changes, some people are really put off by that and find it really difficult. And one of the reasons that people find it difficult, of course, is because you're holding up a mirror to them. And they are not at the stage where they want to have that conversation with themselves, which is absolutely fine. But it definitely shouldn't stop us from wanting to have that conversation with ourselves. So I was reading something that made me really, um, that really helped me to kind of understand this process of stepping out. So the first thing to do Number one, when we want to work, if this has resonated with you and you think, yeah, I really want to try this. Or for those of you who've worked with the Drama Triangle before, by the way, there are always layers to this. So if you guys, some of the guys that have worked with me for a while are listening to this and are like, oh yeah, I've done the course or oh yeah, I know about the Drama Triangle or um, you think that you're done with it. I think I'm done with it as well and then I realise that there are lots and lots and lots and lots of layers. So for those of you that have done the work, you can maybe try um, some of these exercises as well just to check in with your guides and make sure that you're not hiding anything from yourself and that you really actually have done this work and to, the, to its nth degree and to its conclusion. Okay, so the first thing that we need to do is become aware of our patterns. But that might seem easier said than done. So the, one of the suggestions that I have then to start to work with the drama triangle and start to understand our patterns is to bring in our guides and bring in those abilities that we have to tap into that knowledge. And my suggestion is that if this is something that you want to work with, then you start to do some journey work on the subject with your guides. Now, for those of you who don't know how to journey, then check out the show notes. There'll be a link there to a free workshop that you can do with me a free introduction to shamanism workshop it's a couple hours it's completely free no obligation to um do anything other than give me your email address so that i can send you the literature after the course and that's it there's no no other obligation there i do these once a month now just to be accessible so if you don't journey and you would like to then that's how you would do that so check out the link in the show notes centerforshamanism.com forward slash 24 so when we're doing our journey work we're remembering about our intentions and how to have a really clear intention 
So the intention could be something like, take me on a journey and show me how to work with the drama triangle. Simple. You can go on a journey and ask to be shown the archetypes that you embody. You can ask to be given a symbol of transformation for that. You can ask to be shown a sensation in your body. So, for example, if you do a journey with your guides and ask to be shown what your main archetype is because you struggle to figure it out yourself and your journey clearly shows you that you have a victim mentality or a victim and the tendency to fall into the victim archetype, you can go on another journey and say, okay, thank you for showing me that, but I really don't know what that feels like. So show me what it feels like for me and my body when I am slipping into the victim role. So you're, you can go on a journey into the unseen realms and ask and be shown what that feels like in your body so that when you're slipping into it in your life, then you're like, oh, that's that feeling that I was shown in my journey. I must be slipping into the victim role. So that's a, a few really good ways to start to work with the your intentions for um, the drama triangle work. If you are a little bit fuzzy or hazy on intentions and shamanic work, then check out Shaman Talk podcast episode 12, which is six key points for a successful intention. And those will help you to really think clearly and create ethically and um, work deeply with that sense of intention. Because obviously for shamanic work, intention is key. It's one of the main, one of our main skills that we need to develop as shamanic people is our, our ability to create useful and ethical intentions for ourselves. So we're becoming aware of our patterns. We're starting to allow our guides to speak to us and to show us. We're starting to listen. We're being brave. We're being open to what that feels like for us, to what that looks like for us. So what that also means when we're starting to become aware of patterns, one of the things I found really helpful is that starting to think about my field of existence. A field of existence is what I call it. It's essentially, if you think about it, like a circle around your body on the ground that you stand in and everybody else stands in their own fields of existence. And in that field of existence, the only responsibility that you have is for yourself and not for anybody else. So you can do a little ceremony with your guides to draw the field of resistance around your body and ask for that to become an energetic support for you while you move move through the um, move out of this drama and move into a space of self determination and self responsibility. And what that really means when you move into your field of existence is it means acknowledging and honouring your own feelings and your own needs and allowing others to be responsible for their own feelings and needs. So as allowing others to be responsible for their own feelings and needs. It's very tough to start with, I found. And it, you need to take responsibility for your own actions and their consequences. And you need to allow others to do the same. Okay? So this is how you start to become aware of the patterns. So 
Ask yourself the question before you move into an interaction with somebody. Am I taking full responsibility for myself? And is this person taking full responsibility for for their self? And of course, as we've said already, this might require some tough love, both towards yourself and other people, because we're sometimes very addicted to these processes and these archetypes. And you might not be the most popular person in the world for a while, but I find that to be absolutely worth the squeeze of the freedom and the love and the self-worth and the and the boundaries and everything that's come from that for me is absolutely worth the trudge that it took to get here. The drama triangle really does require multiple players to function. So if you start to opt out of those triangles, it's not only very good for you, but it's eventually will be good for other people because you're simply not allowing that to blossom into anything other than change and growth. What you will also find when you're becoming aware of your patterns and you're starting to step out, and this is kind of number two, so you're becoming aware of your patterns. Now, number two is that you will inevitably get sucked into your old dynamics and sucked back into the drama triangle. So you can expect that nobody's perfect. You can't just decide to be a different person and then that happens. That's not how this works, as I'm sure you know. So number two is saying, okay, I've been sucked into this, but I'm not going to be a victim about it. I'm not going to be a perpetrator about it. I'm just going to say, okay, I, I see this. I've spotted it. And now I'm going to walk back to my field of existence. I'm going to get back in my circle. And I'm going to stand in my circle. So a good example of that you could think about for this is where perhaps you are... You have siblings and perhaps a parent has asked you to smooth over an argument between two of your other siblings. That's literally nothing to do with you. Where does the responsibility lie there? The responsibility lies with your siblings, especially not with your mother or with you. It's nothing to do with either of you. So by asking yourself, where is the responsibility? Where does it lie? Am I in my own field of existence or am I stepping into someone else's field of existence? Then that's how you can start to step out quickly when you've been sucked back in. Okay. And number three, what's really important when you're in the field of existence is to remember that what I'm saying and what this concept is all about is not about no longer caring for people. So I find myself having real resistance to letting go of my saviour archetype because I thought it would mean that I was no longer kind and kindness is one of my values. I thought I would have to give that up. But what I had failed to see was that by being what I thought was kind to other people was actually not kind at all. It was disempowering for them and it was draining and... Um, and just simply downright bad for me. So I still care about people. I'm still very kind. But now I help when it feels right. But I no longer feel obligated to rescue. I no longer feel obligated to rescue. 
So when I do step in and give someone the help that they've asked for, it means I don't end up feeling victimised. I don't end up feeling resentful. I don't end up persecuting someone else in return. So this change, this movement away from drama is much better for everybody involved and in the long run can only lead to good things. So for me, I really did miss the drama, I have to admit. I missed it. Life seemed a little thin for a while. But now what I see, having a bit of distance from it, is that it was it was like its own entity almost. The, the drama feeds feeds on our existence in that space, in that drama space, and it becomes its own driver, it becomes its own thing, to the point where you do and say and act in ways that you would never, never act or never want to act. So this is a really important concept as well and one that you can also work with your guides on. So my suggestion is that to really understand drama and really understand what that means in the negative sense, my suggestion is that you do a journey with your guides and you ask to be taken to a place in non-ordinary reality where you can be shown the energy of drama and what that means for you in this life. And I find that that's a really helpful journey to do even if you've worked with the drama before, do it again anyway. Um, just keep checking in with it and keep reminding yourself of what drama looks like because drama's tricky. It's a trickster energy and takes many forms. So fully understanding drama takes a bit of a project. You know, It takes a bit of time. It takes a bit of dedication. So if it's something that you really want to work with in your life, then these are some of the things that you can start to do. And like I say, if you are interested in working shamanically but you don't know how to do that yet, then check out the free workshop. Um, you'll find that on the show notes, centreforshamanism.com forward slash 24. And what I'll also do there is I'll pop up a couple of, you know, I'll pop up the main points and um, so you can read through those for the drama triangle and I'll pop up some other bits and pieces that you might find useful or interesting so that is the drama triangle in a nutshell so it's the victim the savior and the perpetrator it's how they all work together to create drama and also why is it so important that we escape these archetypes it's important because it's fake it's emotionally immature. I don't want to offend anybody, but those of you who know me will know that I'm quite straight talking. I was an emotionally immature person. I am still quite emotionally immature sometimes. I admit that. I, I own that and I work with it every day. And this work really does take bravery and it really does take an ability to look in the mirror and say, this is what I've been doing I've been a victim, I've been a perpetrator, I've been a saviour or a rescuer and I would like to start to move away from that and create emotional resilience, create drama-free life, create and break even the illusion of drama 
I would like to know the difference between good kindness and fake kindness. I would like to put myself first. Can you imagine that in your life? Just take a minute now and imagine what it would feel like if you were number one in your life. I go on about this a lot, but I do believe it's very important. And I think that often in in this culture, we're not encouraged to put ourselves first. We're usually encouraged to put other people first. Well, I find that for myself as a as a f- woman in Scotland, as the oldest of four children, as a mother and a wife, I'm often, not now, but in the past, that was your role. You put everybody else first and you saved everybody else. That was my role. So what's your role in this, in this drama triangle? And maybe you think, if you've listened to this and you've gotten this far, Maybe you think that this doesn't apply to you. And if that's the case, what I would like you to do, if you journey, is I'd like you to go on a journey with your guides and ask for confirmation of that. Ask to be shown the confirmation that you absolutely are free from embodying any of these archetypes. Okay? Just be really sure, be brave and really sure that this, that, that is correct. And if it is, then well done. That's amazing. And the other thing to remember when we're doing this work as well is to be gentle with ourselves. So it's really easy. It was really easy for me to move into a place of blame and guilt and, you know, oh, it's terrible, oh, I'm a a persecutor or I'm a victim or I'm a saviour. But be gentle with yourself. Just focus on the fact that you are willing to look at these issues for yourself. Just focus on the fact that you're willing maybe, perhaps, to make changes in your life that, in the first instance, will help you with anxiety and stress, will help you with your emotional maturity and your emotional resilience, will allow you to create mature relationships, will allow you to release yourself from the nonsense of drama and become that person who you know you really are. So the drama triangle map is brilliant. I find it really helpful. I find it really simple. I find the concepts really easy to use. But always, what I always do is I use it in conjunction with my shamanic work. So anything that I do, I bring into my shamanic, a shamanic perspective. I work with my guides. I ask questions. I go on omen walks. I do ceremony you know I really work hard to I work in groups as well I go to coaching there's various things that I do but what is really important is that I'm open to the possibility that I can change I have changed and I do change I do transform I am a different person so hold on to that you know work with your work with your guides move into that kind of knowing place that this is what shamanism gives us, is this opportunity for transformation. And we just use these maps like the drama triangle or whatever else that we're talking about, but we inject our shamanic skills. And that's where the transformation really comes through, I think. Well, it does for me anyway. And if you're listening to this podcast, it probably does for you too. So as always, I'm available for any questions. You can catch me, Rhonda at centreforshamanism.com. I'm more than happy to ask to answer any questions I'll catch you in the Facebook group Shaman Talk 
podcast. Um, the competition running actually just now for four weeks. So if you find the competition post in the announcements, listen to the podcast last week, this week, or the next two weeks, and then you comment on your biggest takeaway, what was your biggest learning, then you go into a draw to win a one-to-one session with me. Those are worth £95, and they're, I'm very busy, so I don't usually have very many spaces for one-to-one um, for one-to-one clients. So it's a really great opportunity to work one-to-one with me. So if you really got something out of this podcast, why don't you pop over to the Facebook group and join, or if you're already joined, then get on the competition post and leave a wee comment. It'd be nice to hear from you all. So I'll speak to you all at the same time, same place next week. And again, if you fancy getting in touch, then do so, Rhonda at centreforshamanism.com. And I hope you all have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening to Shaman Talk today. Quick question, are you subscribed to my email list? I plan on offering lots of extra special bonuses and trainings to my email list in 2020. I'll be offering these only to my wonderful subscribers. So make sure you're in this community with us. If you're listening on the website, you can subscribe via the player that you're listening on right now. Just click on join newsletter button. If you're on iTunes or using another service like Spotify or Google Play, then head over to centreforshamanism.com forward slash subscribe. Being a part of something special is only a click away. So subscribe today.